0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive.
2: Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Rian Duploy. He is CEO of Cannasalt. We're going to talk to him about the world of cannabis, what he's doing in helping companies really stand up operations, make those operations successful, profitable you know operationally uh, proficient and he has some really interesting experience with several different markets so we're going to talk about uh, what he's kind of seeing in the world of the cannabis kind of industry and what's going on in different parts of it. And really kind of compare and contrast to other parts of other industries, uh, having experience, uh, Sigma, Six Sigma plaque belt master, lean consultant, uh, really kind of looking <laughs> at what it's going <laughs> it to take to create a um, highly successful business and, and really a, a well-run business, which is going to be important as, as obviously things change, as companies scale, these are things you have to get right. So with that, Ryan. Welcome to the program.
3: Oh, thank you, Bruce. That's um, some really kind words. And uh, yeah, I've, I've got a wealth of experience across other industries, but um, obviously, you know, cannabis is the start of the moment. So, um, you know, a lot of focus for us going into that industry, but also, you know, assisting people with the growth, actually setting it up as a, as a proper business. Um, and yeah, I'm very happy to be on your show. Thanks for inviting me, mate.
2: Yeah, no, thanks for being on it. So, and, and I'm really excited about this conversation because, you know, having, having also come, come from the world of lean and Six Sigma and, and kind of business process and business process, you know, optimization, you know, I'm just kind of curious what another, what a, what another lean gentleman thinks of what's going on in the cannabis world. Uh, but why don't we start with a little bit of background and kind of, you know, professionally how what you've been doing and then how cannabis came up. Give us a little bit of the story. Sure.
3: Look for me, Bruce, I've been, um, you know, I'm a South African-born Australian slash American slash European now. I started off after high school studying chemical engineering. So I did a, did a lot of work in the, the engineering side of things in South Africa, mm-hmm. started working at the big breweries just after that, and worked my way up into, you know, a sea level management position and then got an opportunity in Australia at a, at a brewery there. Basically, just got a call one day and asked me if I wanted a job in, in Sydney. So, um, yeah, I had to go look on a map where where the hell that was, um, you know, <laughs> and convince my wife and kids that we're going to get on a plane and we're going to go um, to a different country. But um, since, you know, South African days, I've been very involved in learning, you know, better ways of doing things. And Lean Lean Manufacturing, Lean Six Sigma came up and I, I really started absorbing all the different ways of doing things. So then when um, I moved over to Australia, started at a brewery there, you know, I was, basically they brought me over so we could help with uh, the implementation of Lean and Six Sigma. I, from there, moved over to a couple of other companies. I was uh, the, the main mission for me is by that time, I probably had about 10 years experience in implementing Lean and Six Sigma. So I wanted to test my abilities. I learned from a couple of really good guys. I spent some time in Japan and China, you know, just absorbing how they do things from a cultural perspective. And, um, you know, ended up being the head operational excellence um, manager or leader for for Oceania, for for the whole of Asia and um, um, Australia, New Zealand. And I you know, had some really good, good and bad experiences with implementing, um, you know, the start from the programs from the start to the finish, and realized how important the management structure is, and how yeah. how important it is that management actually supports the the implementation that happens. So yeah, from there, probably about four years ago, I decided to jump out and become a, a consultant because I had a few offers of um, different businesses. And my partner and I um, established Cansalt, and the whole reason behind establishing Cansalt is obviously the you know the cannabis industry that started taking off in America. Um, we really wanted to be part of that, but also the fact that you know we've got tried and uh, you know tried and tested materials, you know a program that works, and it's literally applicable in every single business out there. So. I personally um, and my partner, we've worked in the IT industry, the healthcare industry, we've been in, in manufacturing, you know, we've been fragrances, fra- f- um, flavors. My partner's actually done some work with the FBI, with the CIA. So um, you know, there's a lot of lot to say for what we do. It's not just, you know, applicable in the management or manufacturing ex- um, you know, environment. Yeah. But but we've done a hell of a lot of work in hospitality. And of course, in cannabis, cannabis is like the like the little um, you know the little train that could or the little <laughs> you know. Yep. It's every now and again you get these glimpses of um, you know excellent performance, and then it doesn't last very long usually, and um, it goes down pretty quickly. And then everyone wants to know why. You know, we've we've worked with a company that um, we took the well, we we helped the company structure itself. So it could grow from a ten million dollar company to a hundred and fifty million dollar company in literally eleven months. Yeah. So the scaling and the, um, you know the growth of of these businesses are astronomical. But you got to have the right support, and you got to have the right processes, systems, and especially people in the mm-hmm. right positions. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, ever since then we've been you know in and out of the cannabis industry, but at the end of the day, it's got a lot more in common with normal industry than people actually think. And um, you know, we're dealing with a lot of well, we we have been dealing with a lot of people coming you know out from un- the underground, from the black market, um, where they are actually specialists in what they do. You know, they run their own supply chains, they they run their own uh, procurement, everything else. Um, the problem with with these or well, the challenge with these businesses are obviously, you know, the banking system, the, you know, basically just the financial side of things, the accounting, the, you know, actually trusting other people to take over parts of their business that they are us- used to running. So we focus a lot on not just the business growth, but also the people growth and the be- behaviors that goes along with it. So, you know, on the one side, we've got results. And on the other side, we've got behaviors that need to support these results especially from the leadership which trickles down to the shop floor yeah what and what
2: do you notice you know having worked with all these different industries and now getting involved in cannabis what are the big differences for you about cannabis that that make it you know harder easier different in terms of dealing with some of these issues of you know building a successful company
3: um bruce uh to be honest it's a really exciting industry yeah so you got a lot of people with a lot of high energy at the beginning you know, everyone wants to Everyone wants to be the best in the market. Say it like that. They want to come out. And they've got, you know, money behind them. They've got this whole new experience awaiting them. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot more energy usually in a new business than what there is in an established one. But also, you know, with a new business, you get a lot of frustration. You get a lot of people, you know, wanting to, we call it the Superman effect. You know when yeah. you put your undies on on the outside, and um, you know you come you come flying in when there's a problem. You save the day and off you go. So we find a lot of that, and a lot of people from different backgrounds, different areas of of expertise, you know, pushed into this business, trying to achieve the same target or goal. Yeah. But they don't usually they don't usually express or define what that target or goal is. At the beginning for these businesses, it's usually, yeah, let's just pump out as much as what we can, get those plants growing as big as what they can, and, you know, off we go. Yeah. Where, you know, when we get into the business, it's usually usually people only ask for help when they're really deep in in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And that's unf- that's unfortunate. There's not a lot of people that, uh, or a lot of companies that actually from the start go, you know what, there's the right way to do this, there's the right way to set it up, let's do it that way. We've come across probably one company like that, and they, they've got a very slow burn, but it's a very steady burn. And, um, you know, they're bringing along everyone for, for the ride. And actually, you know, they're focusing a lot on not just what they do, but how they do it and how they deal with their customers and how they deal with their internal customers. And that's where there's a lot of um, overlap with, with normal or, or just legal industries out there. You know, they've all got one thing in common. They all want to make money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They all need to employ people. They all want to be profitable. They all want to delight the customer. And it's the same with the cannabis industry. It's the same with the cannabis businesses. They want to do exactly the same thing, except, you know, their customer base might be a little bit different and their references are a little bit different. So, you know, we get a lot of uh, a lot of these... Um, Underground people coming up, great people. They've been they've been in the cannabis industry for 20, 30 years. They know exactly what's going on. And then you know the challenge for us is always dealing with those those people and going yes, but there is a way you should be setting up your business. Mm-hmm. And look, strategic thinking is not always you know part of their um, <laughs> I should say <laughs> part of their repertoire. Yeah. because they they usually go for either from plant to plant or from you know arrest to arrest and then you know try and get try and get their product out there and there's some really good products out there it's just a question of you know now let's market it let's get the right audience in place let's do some chemical analysis you know there's um and that's a normal business you know you can't put out a product out there that's subpar quality yeah and i think that's a that's been a big theme for us working with a, with a cannabis industry is people are very proud of the quality that they put out there. Uh, it's, it's a very big deal, but for us walking into uh, an an organization like that, it's always around how are we producing this? Are we producing it as a, at a profit? Are we producing the best quality we can with the least amount of waste, you know, and how does your pr- uh, systems and processes support what you're doing? So, um, you know, there's, there's a hell of a lot of overlap, except for the fact that, you know, um, Lean Six Sigma is slowly finding its way into the cannabis industry. I think there's quite a lot of guys out there or people out there that call themselves cannabis consultants. I'm not quite sure what that means. But, um, you know, for us, it's not just about cannabis. It's about the actual way that we get this product to market. Yeah.
2: I oh, guess what areas have you seen... Cannabis companies start to look at, pick up some of the Lean Six Sigma approach to, you know, looking at continuous improvement and operation design and process design.
3: Yeah. So basically, so like I said to you, usually when we walk into a cannabis company, there's a reason because there's chaos. So, um you know, the first place that we we ever visited was in Los Angeles and um they had forklifts everywhere in the warehouse. You know, no one was re- wearing high-vis vests or, you know, they weren't even wearing um protective shoes. Yeah. So little things like that—that that, you know—if you—if you're not even aware of your OSHA rules or your Safety Act, you know, you should probably start there before you um, before you start building more warehouses. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've seen it a lot in the in the supply chain side of things where thing, where rubber really re- hits the road. But um, see, I'm, for me and for my for my business partner, we like spending our time on the different teams and their behaviors because you know you can't have a department fighting with another department fighting with another department just to get the same product out the door but it's going to be 5 days late so we like to get in we like to analyze the you know we have we have interviews with the with the leadership people of of departments of the whole business we analyze the whole business take it all apart and then slowly put it back together again so value stream mapping is something that's really been embraced by the, by everyone because you can see the you know, you can physically see it up on the wall, you can see the cards, but it's also an op- an opportunity for people to have their say. You know, with my process, is a little bit stuffed up. Okay, well, let's work on that. Let's figure out why. And um, from there, then putting in what we call service level agreements be- between you know, different departments. Because what we found, Bruce, at the, you know, oh, we find this all over the place, you know, big companies, mate. I'm not going <laughs> to name any names, but... Um, <laughs> But they they own, you know, like 60% of the, the drinks market. You know, you you talk to them about, okay, well, who's your customer? And they go, the guy in the street, the guy that's going to walk into the, to the shop and actually buy the stuff. And, you know, this person is working in raw materials. It's like, okay, well, let's make it a bit smaller, yeah? Who's your actual customer? And then you have to start reminding people that they've got internal customers. And if we don't have, uh, I always refer to this as a big game. We're going to play a game. We're going to go play some football. But if we don't know the rules of the game, we can't play the game. Then it's yeah. not called football. Then it's called something else. Kick the rock into the, the stand. I don't know. Uh-huh. But once we've learned the rules of the game or we put some rules in place, you know, it makes it a lot more enjoyable for people because they know what they can and they can't do. Uh-huh. But also it gives them, you know, that accountability to say, OK, well, this is my role. This is my job. And this is your job. So, you know, we go in, we sit with people, you know, now it's all virtual. We've we've got a few uh, modules online on our online learning system that shows you exactly how to put a service level agreement in place between departments. And, you know, that's basically the the two departments coming together. And then they decide on what rules they're going to put in place. Like by 8.15 in the morning, I would like, you know, the info for how much, you know, I don't know, vapes we have on site. So that I know when I get there that I'm not going to walk into an empty shelf, there's actually going to be some product there. But then, you know, with a a service level agreement, they get together almost every week at the beginning and they say, yep, you have worked like that or no, we need a bit more attention to these little things.
2: We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. As you've been working with, you know, cannabis companies around the world here, come yep. in a couple of these different markets, what, what are you noticing in terms of similarities or differences on where some of these countries are, where some of these
3: markets are? Uh, Mike, that's a great question because that's something that I I learned the hard way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got, uh, when I moved over from South Africa, South Africa, I spent a lot of time on the African content, you know, hunting, fishing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, you don't really recognize cultural differences until you actually go live in another country. That's one thing, you know, for, and this is, this is always the same with, with the cannabis business too. It's a very good similarity there, is that, you um, you moved to you move over to a new country. I don't know if uh, Bruce, have you ever lived in a in a different country?
2: Yeah, I, li- I lived in Montreal for about five years, so uh, close to the u s but but a little different.
3: Yeah, yeah. so so even those little differences, you know, moving from South Africa to Australia, you realize that shit, there's a there's a massive difference between people. They all look the same. You know, I've met I've met the same character probably fifty times in my life because people, They've got the same personalities as someone that you know over in a different country, but you know the the way they do things is always different. Then you yeah. go to Japan, you go to China, you go to Singapore, you go to America, and you realize, oh my, you know this is this is even worse because people have a different way of working and to relating to each other. So what I found in um, in Australia where they they've got. I don't know. Basically, the same rules are going to apply with the Australian cannabis market that does in in Canada. So those two countries are very you know similar when it comes to the legalization and the the regulation of the of the industry. Yeah. But you do realize that every time you walk into a different country or a different um, you know organization, that the culture is going to either eat you up or you got to build that culture so that it gets to the point where it actually wants to change. Yeah. Because um, you know, the same with the cannabis industry. You know, they the people come in, they're like, Yeah, this is a startup. I love working in a startup. And you ask them, Have you ever worked in a startup? And ninety-nine percent <laughs> of those people say no. Yeah. And you go, Well, you're gonna have a very hard time if you don't have the right energy levels, if you're not working, if you're not willing to work twenty hours a day, and if you if you don't enjoy that kind of stuff, this is not gonna be for you. Yeah. So um, you know, for us, our forays into the cannabis industry is always okay we we can do this for you but we we do need specific buy-in from the leadership teams because those guys also like the adrenaline they like playing they like you know getting into this thing and all the freedoms that a startup gives you compared to a established company with rules and regulations you know people people tend to um, jump into the the cannabis industry with both feet and then they get to a stage, uh, you know, a few weeks later, and they go, "Oh shit, I actually have to do something." <laughs> exactly. And um, look, there's a there's a very predictable path that we usually say these people take. Um, you know, they come in, they are they are the expert. You know, they 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 got there because they are the expert in their field. Yep. But they're not the expert in that specific field yet. So the so the first couple of you know weeks or months, people are like, "Yeah, just raving. This guy's awesome. He's." He's performing so great. He's getting things organized. And all of a sudden, that person realizes, but they're starting to run out of talent. Mm -hmm. They only know that much. They only know how to sustain a department sometimes rather than growing it and actually working on it and getting it to that next level. Because with um, startups, it's all about getting to that next level, but making that next level sustainable. So you know, then we usually deal with people that are. They, their morale goes down. They think that they they shouldn't have taken a position. They're like, oh hell, what did I do? And then you get all the millennials, you know, just wanting to change everything every five minutes. So it's all about the adaptability and the the um I don't know the ability to be not so graceful in your in your approach. So you know, at the beginning with a with a startup, it's always about what are we going to do today? What are we doing in the next two hours? And that's basically where we're at. Yeah. So to take these people and then go, okay, but let's think a bit further out than this. Where are you going to be next week? Where are you going to be the end of the month? Where would you hope to be in six months time? And let's talk about a year from now. And it's important for those leaders to realize that you know, just because they're in a, in a cannabis environment doesn't mean they're going to get stoned every day. It means that, you know, they're going to have to put a business together that is actually going to be profitable and that people are going to enjoy working at. And um, the one customer we had a few months ago, they had something like a 62% turnover with people on HR. And that was that was within the first six months of the company, you know, being established. So, um, you know, we, we looked at that. We sat with HR and we started looking at, you know, things like the cost of mis-hires. Yeah. How do you calculate
2: something like that? And I'm curious how you approach that from a business point of view because it's a I mean I can see the hard costs but
3: h- how do you handle some of the soft costs? Well, and that's uh, that's the interesting part of it. No, <laughs> not a lot of people think about the soft part of these things like um the time spent preparing, you know, the ad the, the ad that needs to go out. You know, that's cost. That's someone's time that they've put in, let's say 4 hours in already. The cost of advertising, you know, you got you got to advertise in the right forums. Otherwise you're gonna keep getting applicants and people that are not correct for the position. And then there's obviously, you know, the the process of interviewing the HR guys spending their time on getting the right group of people together, then go to the next interview. So by the time you actually employ someone, you've spent, let's say, you know, twenty grand that's on just on people's time and the effort that they had to take away from other projects to put on this one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's always a bit of fun, you know, finding the right person. But you gotta think of how am I using my time that's that's gonna that's gonna add to getting the right person in the role that we don't have to spend so much time on with actually getting him up to speed or her up to speed. Yeah.
2: And what, let's talk a little bit about the talent stuff, because I think that's comes up yeah. again and again, at least in the U.S. market, where, you know, finding folks that have kind of the business experience, the operational experience in cannabis can, <laughs> can be a bit of a challenge. Um, and yeah. What have you seen in terms of, I mean, I guess, wh- where have you seen the kind of needs on the business side and what are companies doing to try to fill those needs?
3: Um, interesting question, um, Bruce, because we have that's one of our departments which we tend to w- work with a lot when we're in any environment is the human resources department. The fact of the matter with the, uh, with the cannabis industry is because it's young and vibrant, you know, you want to attract great talent. You want to attract A players. But you know, it's a little bit different with a with a younger generation too. They wanna to come in and they wanna they wanna establish themselves, they wanna make a mark on your business. You just gotta make sure that it's the right mark. Yeah. The challenge for HR is obviously looking in the right places, finding people that are competent, not at the specific tasks that they do at a different business or at a different environment, but how they do it. Like you know, do they bring people along for the ride? Do they sit there yelling at people every day to get stuff done? Mm-hmm. You know, I've had experiences where a procurement manager likes to sit outside on a on a lawn chair and you know relax and watch the cust- you know watch the cars run by for you know ten minutes of the day, and you go, well, that's it's good that you're looking after your well being, but why are we not getting what we're supposed to be getting from our orders? Yeah, so. You know, I would say from an HR perspective, look in the right places, find the right people. And I know that's what they say, but, you know, be be creative in the way that we do this. I would say some of the better better things that we've done is actually offer people, you know, the right people or people that we think are right, a bit of a, a play in the role. So, you know, don't leave your job yet. Take a couple of weeks and you'll leave there and then come and join us and come work with us for a couple of weeks Get your feet wet, you know, it's a bit of a, an opportunity to see how you engage with the with the team and how you engage with the product. And then after those two weeks, let's make a decision together. You know, do you want to be in this in this company? Is it something that attracts you? Is it something that works for you? Because, um, you know, you always have that honeymoon period at the beginning of, a, of, of um, you know, putting someone in a position. But once that honeymoon period is gone, that's when you need to know that you've got a person in there with the right behaviors rather than knowing exactly how to start a motorcycle. You know what I mean?
2: Yep. What what else have you been noticing in terms of kind of the future of cannabis here? I mean, where, where do you see the opportunities either, either by market or just overall kind of industry? What's, what trends
3: are you noticing? Well, I mean, for me, the trends always, you know, I start looking at, you know, what's the innovative side of the business because I think it's, that's something that's come with uh with a cannabis business a lot is the innovation. Um, you know where do they get their products from? Um, you know a lot of the companies that I that we work with, they are still importing heavily from China. You know where there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of technological advances happening there. Labor is cheap. You know and there's a, there's a lot to say for it. But sometimes you can suffer quality issues because of that. So you know quality. Um, your supply demand, so there's to me there's a lot of opportunity in you know local is good. Get your yeah. get your suppliers set up close to you. You know everyone always talks about Toyota. Toyota has been doing lean six sigma for I would say seventy years. Yeah, as part as part of their culture, you know to to help. It's part of their culture to look for those improvements. And with the new cannabis um, companies, I would say foster. That type of um, you know environment for your people, where they can ever say, where they feel they're getting listened to, instead of yeah, yeah, okay, that's fine, we'll we'll try that or we won't try that. So I would say you know there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions happening. Obviously, we we knew from the start that some of the the little companies out there are just going to get absorbed by the big big brothers out there. Yeah, and hey, for for some of the people, that is that is exactly what they wanted and. You know, now they've got a sports car and a garage. But um, at the end of the day, it's the for me, it's about the longevity of the the industry. And where is it going to go? How is it going to stabilize? Because you can only innovate at this pace for that long. Then, you know, customers are going to start demanding, you know, better products or better quality products. So, for me, it's all around what is it that we're producing? Is it what the end customer wants? But are we producing it as fast and efficient as possible, so that we can use our time and our efforts and all the all the money getting pumped into you know these businesses that we use that in the correct fashion, that we actually have an ROI on it and we become profitable. Because I mean that's that's the name of the game with any business, yeah. Yeah. You want to you know you're not there to not make money. You're there to to build a business, make money out of it, and then get out of it or sell it off or whatever you want to do with it. But I do think, um, I do believe in the future, there's going to be some, just like everywhere else, you know, there's going to be some really big boys playing. They're going to absorb all the, or some of the little um, companies. But then, you know, if you look at like the breweries, okay, well, let's build this massive machine. And it's just going to pump out beer. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the craft beer market started playing up. So, I, in my opinion, I see something similar to that happening, you know, as in the beverages um, aisle. So you'll you'll have your big boys buying up everyone, you know, just becoming this monster to deal with. And then on the sideline, you're going to have all the, the niche products, you know, the people that spend time and money nurturing plants, um, nurturing their processes. And I do see a lot of people going in that direction because it's it's – It's like uh, brewing beer or making wine. It's a very romantic process. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's It's a process that you feel you're involved with. Your heart is into it. It's a very emotional experience seeing people appreciate your product. And I do think, you know, with the bigger boys that they tend to forget that because, you know, money is king.
2: Yep. Rian, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about CanaSalt, what's the best way to get that information?
3: Oh, Bruce, we're all over the place, mate. I'm on um, LinkedIn. I'm quite active on there because uh, I think LinkedIn is a, is a great platform. Our website is www.cansalt.org. So C-A-N-N-S-U-L-T.org. And uh, yeah, you'll see us. We've got a YouTube channel. We've got um, you know Twitter happening, all that kind of stuff. But if you want to contact us, you know, just contact me directly and we'll get one of our partners or, you know, even uh, one of our VPs to contact you and see how we can help you because we truly believe we can help anyone out there. Awesome.
2: This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Ryan. Um, I appreciate your time and look forward to keeping in touch.
3: Oh, Bruce, I appreciate it too. And thank you very much for having me, mate.
2: That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time.
1: You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.